Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Sea Glass Blue by Mel Forbes on AO3, Chapter 11. He slices the stems off of strawberries, then halves them, quarters them, arranges them on a plate. He makes mint tea because caffeine doesn't mix well with her medications. He lets her sleep in while he sits on the porch and eats his own breakfast. Two slices of butter toast. So much butter that when he picks up a slice of bread, liquid pools in its center. The sea breeze contrasts with the bright sunlight, a day that ought to be warmer. He's wearing a sweater over his pajamas, and his toes are cold. He licks his fingers, and he doesn't know if it's from the butter or the breeze, but his skin tastes like salt. Maybe it's on purpose, or maybe her wishes are just small nowadays, but she only ever asks for what he can give her with ease. An extra week, maybe two. More time by the sea. More time together. That was all she wanted. So he called the cottage owner and asked if they could stay a bit longer. Because the cottage wasn't to be open for summer rentals until June, they could stay as long as they pleased. Leave a check on the kitchen counter, and also clean the place up if they didn't mind. And four days after she was admitted to the hospital, He took her home with three new prescriptions and the recommendation to relax for a few more days. Take it easy, call her hospice team, and stay quiet and calm for the remainder of their vacation. So he took her home and watched as she regained the little parts of herself, taking more food during each dinner, reaching out for his hand, sometimes even getting dressed for the day. They would wake in the morning, then lays in bed, or lays on the porch, or lays on the couch, while he read more aloud to her. Her legs bent up on the couch, her head resting on his shoulder. Now they take their time together, for they can have a full vacation, no interruptions because of her medical needs, no rushing, no anxiety. He sits on the porch and watches the waves come in. The day is bright enough to make him squint. They made brownies last night. She said, I want chocolate. So he went to the store and bought mix while she waited in the passenger seat and laughed when he returned her pale hands and painted nails against brown eggs, cracking into glass bowl, delicate motions. After mixing the batter, she dipped her finger into the bowl and brought her fingers between her lips for a taste. When he comes back inside, the house still smells so sweet, and the Paul Anka record that he put on as a joke is still on the turntable, and she leaned against the kitchen counter after he put the pan into the oven and set the timer, and she palmed his sides while she kissed him as if they were someone else anyone else, a boy at a party in college, a man outside of a too expensive restaurant with bad food, her professor after hours. He felt the way her breath changes when she kisses him, how she stops short and breathes in so deep before kissing him again, how she sighs when he pushes towards her. He can reach for her in bed and find her with ease, take her into his arms, rest his cheek against hers. He can kiss her goodnight as if they've done that for years. Sometimes, She wakes scared midway through the night, and nowadays his arms are already open for her in the small hours of the morning, her emotions becoming his own. This is a marriage, he thinks, as he brings his plate inside. For her breakfast, he'll make an omelet with cheese and bacon, because she needs plenty of calories, and the plate of strawberries is already prepared for the meantime. Her lazy walk from the bedroom to the kitchen, rubbing her eyes, hugging him from behind while he cooks for her. Yesterday, They finished the Count of Monte Cristo, and she stood on tiptoe in order to reach the out-of-order and aging copy of the Fellowship of the Ring. And when she stood on tiptoe, the muscles of her legs grew taut, and he looked from the tips of her hair, touching her shoulders down her back, 
and he thought, this is a marriage. The things will be different when they return home. He thinks he'll still be the one to go out at night for brownie mix, and he thinks she'll still reach for him at night, and he thinks she'll still wear his clothes when she's cold rather than her own, and he thinks he'll still do these husband-like things, making her breakfast while she rubs her eyes, kissing her goodnight, reading aloud to her while she dozes. Of all the things, he never expected to find ease in loving her. Had he ever felt this kind of satisfaction from loving someone before? After the brownies cool, or rather, after they wait a minute, maybe two. He brought the first piece to her lips, watched as she chewed, and closed her eyes in pleasure. And somehow, he felt as if he had been the one eating dessert, as if the indulgence had been for him alone. In the hospital, he felt better after consoling her, as if he'd been the one on heavy antibiotics, as if he had been the frightened, pained one. Maybe he always had love to give, or maybe he was good at loving, as daft as that could be. Maybe he was comfortable with doing more, giving more, being more. Though he went into the supermarket for brownie mix because she wanted chocolate, he went in because making her happy made him happy too. It's late enough that she ought to be awake, so he takes the plate of cut-up strawberries with him as he opens the bedroom door, and when he gets out of bed before she does, his back can't handle sleeping that late anymore, some strange sign from the universe. She sprawls across the bed and sleeps with his pillow. Sheets tangled up around her legs, flannel pajamas, still because she struggles to stay warm at night. Though the curtain blocks some of the morning light, he can see her so clearly. Pale cheeks, hair askew, fist against the blankets. And she's awake, probably has been for a few minutes now. And she smiles at him. This is a marriage. And he's so accustomed to this morning smile of hers that he feels relief rather than overwhelm at the sight of it but he's so in love with her that he feels a momentary jolt, wonderment, something extraordinary. She looks at the plate of strawberries, and her smile widens. Though he could stay in bed with her for hours more, wedging their bodies together until his back stops aching, they've spent enough days in bed, and he makes her breakfast while she pulls him towards her and kisses him, and he brings her plate out onto the porch because she's tired of staying inside. Watching her eat makes him happy. Looking out at the sea and thinking about taking walks on the beach with her makes him happy. Even the prospect of going home, that ominous end to their little vacation, makes him happy. For he'll move his essentials into her apartment, they've already talked about it, and he'll still sleep with her every night, and he'll still make her breakfast. Instead of taking her to the grocery store, he'll take her to the bakery close to her apartment and buy her a cupcake. Or he'll take her to the monuments at night, as if they're tourists. Or they'll walk by the cherry blossom trees and think that some things are beautiful for only a short time. Back home, he'll take her on dates, real dates. And when they'll go home, they'll go back to a home, pictures on the wall, books on the shelves, and they'll sleep side by side. And when she's scared in the middle of the night, he'll open his arms to her and everything will be all right. She's wearing his sunglasses and halfway through an omelet when he thinks of something better. I want to take you out tonight he says without thinking the statement through. Furrowing her brow, she asks, Where? It's a small town, and their best social opportunities have come from the supermarket and the local lighthouse. Frankly, he doesn't know where. To dinner, he says awkwardly. I guess. A date? And his cheeks go warm as he looks down at his lap and manages, Yeah, a date. There was that one restaurant by the ocean, she says, fork and knife against floral ceramic. 
sunglasses falling down on her nose. I think they said they were open year-round. The place looked as if it was made of driftwood, and the building jutted out over the beach, waves rolling in near where its bottom floor would be. A big sign out front, yellow paint. We're open, it flaunted letters with Lobster Roll Special written below. Okay, he says. Okay, yeah. Beneath the table, she nudges his foot with hers. You're buying, she says, then changes the subject. He sits on the bed while she puts on makeup in the bathroom, blush on her cheeks, the door left open, and the bright white light beaming out into the dimmer bedroom. Though he knows that some degree of mystery can be appealing in a relationship, he every so often catches a glimpse of her using her fingertip to put on shimmery taupe eyeshadow, and he doesn't want that to be a mystery at all. When she applies mascara, her eyes grow wide. She dabs perfume on her wrists, rubs them together right at the veiny part, then brings her wrist right up to her neck and spreads the scent around. Tonight, she's wearing a wrap dress, navy blue with little white flowers, and she bunches up the sleeves of her cardigan because the days keep growing warmer. Too much wool for right now, but just enough for once the sun sets. She keeps her hair down. He wishes he brought something other than jeans and sweaters to wear. Though things grow easier between them the more they've lived through their marriage, he's unsure of the etiquette again. What's acceptable to do on their very first date? Of course, he'll charge the meal on his credit card. But is he allowed to hold her hand? Is he allowed to kiss her beforehand? When he made a reservation, was it okay to use his surname, or should he have thought about using hers? And is she well enough for dinner out, or is she going along with his idea and neglecting her health in the process? And can she really neglect her health at this point, when any and all preventative measures are useless? Maybe he shouldn't have asked, for if he hadn't, then they would go down to the shore and watch the sunset together before cooking a simple dinner and settling down for the evening. He shouldn't have disrupted their little world like this. But she puts on little sandals. She always wore heels at work. Has he ever seen her toes? He married her never having seen her toes. He married her having never seen her naked. Of course, plenty of people did such things, arranged marriages or tight religions. But her nails are painted pale blue, such an unscullied color, not even matching her fingernails. And he wonders, what gave me the right to ask? but she reaches for his hand, takes in both of hers, smooths her thumbs along his knuckles, and he needs to remember that she wanted this too. Alone together in her bedroom, rain heavy against her windows, her body limp in bed, and she asked him if he meant it seriously, and he did. Of course he did. How could he joke about something like that? And she gave him so little time to find a ring that she didn't ask for, so he had to pay extra for his resizing order to be expedited. He wonders how long she would have waited, then stops wondering quickly, because he already knows the answer. She's more shimmery with makeup. Such a bad word, shimmery, but he doesn't know what to think, for she's not more or less beautiful, just different. No work lipstick. She wears glitter tonight, pink cheeks, a different version of the same face. Seeing her look giddy makes him feel giddy too, even though they're only going to a family restaurant, the only place open for miles. When he called to make the reservation, the waitress on the phone said that today's soup special was clam chowder, the dessert blueberry pie made with Maine blueberries, and oh, there's live music tonight, and we have the old dance floor in the state. Out back there's a little beach with sand, and the sand was trucked in because the beaches here aren't like that, you know. But it's a sweet little spot out there, and you can take a beer out there if you're waiting on a pickup order. 
Of course he drives, and she fiddles with the dials, because they're both tired of public radio. And she stops on a Lou Reed song, one with Bowie on backing vocals. And she leans back into the passenger seat, crossed legs, no other cars on the road, the sun beaming the set, winter finally coming to an end. Rolling the window down, she sticks her arm out, flattens her palms so it can skirt along the breeze like a paper airplane. The restaurant is right on the ocean, and though they're a few minutes late for the reservation, she takes his hand and pulls him down towards the shore, taking off her sandals and dangling them from her open fingers, walking towards the water. Has it always been so hard to walk on sand? After all of his summers in the vineyard, he ought to have muscles for such a thing. But he stumbles, and she laughs at him, and she's stepping into the waves without care in the world, and he has to let go of her hand because he'll get his shoes and pants wet if he follows her. But she doesn't slow down, keeps walking until her ankles disappear beneath the waves, and he wonders if she might bring her palms together and dive in, breaststroke until she finds the far-off shore, start anew, somewhere else. He sees their life together in childhood picture books, abandoning his socks and shoes, cuffing his jeans. He follows her in, and there are wide windows at the back of the restaurant, a beautiful view of the ocean for the diners, and plenty of people can see them. And maybe this is illegal. Maybe they're committing a crime. No lifeguard. So they're not allowed to swim. But they're not technically swimming, are they? No, they're wading in. And she waits for him to join her. And they have water lapping over their shins as she stands on tiptoe and kisses him. He can make her laugh in hospitals. In the end, what other than that could any couple build a life on? When she's scared, she likes to be held, but only by people she trusts. And there aren't very many of those. So when she reaches for you, that's how you know you're special. She likes kissing, maybe a little too much. And she hates having her picture taken. And she finds hanging laundry meditative. Wonders why she bought a dryer in the first place. Once she avoided sugar at all costs. But now, he brings her pudding cups in bed. And she likes donuts for breakfast. And someday soon, maybe when they're driving back to the city, he'll order on her behalf at a diner. And she'll drink a milkshake in front of him. A real milkshake like the one she saw on Greasy Spoon menus, coveted, then didn't order. She kills houseplants with ease, even though she's studied so much biology. She won't admit to it, but she's ever so slightly afraid of the dark. She taps her toothbrush twice across the sink after brushing. Against all odds, she likes arugula. Her father gave her a cross necklace for her first communion. Light blue is her favorite color. Once she borrowed his mittens on a case because she forgot hers at home, and she didn't give them back on purpose, even though there was a prominent hole in the right thumb. And she never mended them either, for she never meant to. When she breaks away from him, he glances towards the restaurant, at the wide windows facing the sea, and no one is looking. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there. <laughs>